hello and welcome to another episode of the Lombard Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I am joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, right, man. Um, feeling a little naked this episode. Um, got no laptop. Got no um, few technical hiccups my end, so I'm doing this off my phone. Um, I don't have the well, I've got a Dream Master set, which I don't have, but just having my laptop is enough, and I've got the tabs open that I need and all that. But, um, so, yeah, I'll, it should be all right, but I, I won't, certainly won't be at my best, let's just say that. Well, you've uh, you've just been in Portugal, so you should be pretty fresh, feeling the vibe. How was your trip? <laughs> yeah, Porto was, it was lovely. Um, uh, we actually go to a place in Boa Vista, which we go to every time we go to Porto. Surrounds, which is like an art gallery, and, and I think it was it was nice. But I hadn't properly caught the times I've been before. I wasn't so I hadn't really got deep into this podcast, and I wasn't so aware of, of Bovista. So this time it was nice to sort of when, when we're traveling up there on the bus, you just start to see as you, as you come out of Porto, you just see more and more little Bovista things popping up, and and a couple of cafes and that. And so that was nice to see. Um, didn't actually football. I, I, I was working out. I could have gone to see Bovista um, Sporting. On oh, what a, what a game as well! Yeah, yeah, that was the day that was the day I got there. But um, with, yeah, yeah, it would have would have been a bit of a mission, forty-five minute plus journey after the day of travelling. But uh, uh, no, no, it was good. It was good to be out there again. I just, I just love it. I, 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 do you know what? I do want to go to a game because um, I've, I've, the amount of times I've been to Porto, I've still never been to the Jagral. Um, when you get the metro, of course, it goes all the way up there. I've been on the metro when there's been a game, and it's just completely rammed with uh, Porto fans. But um, yeah, I need to get I need to get to one of those games. No, absolutely. Um, I need to get out there, back out there as well, man. Been a little while since I was uh, last in Portugal, so it's probably going to be 2024 now. Definitely not going to happen um, this year, but yeah, I need to get back out there as soon as possible. But of course, in the meantime, we do still have. The football that we all watch uh, from home, as I'm sure most of our listeners think the same thing, wish they could be out there, but have to uh, satisfy themselves with watching on the TV. Um, and there was a lot of good football this weekend, which we are going to get stuck into. Um, but you just mentioned Porto, Barney. I think we're going to have to start there with Porto. Um, of course, it was a big upset in the Primera Liga because Porto just as they seemed like they were getting their season back on track with, with a string of good results, they fell to a surprise home defeat against Estoril, who won 1-0 thanks to a sublime second-half free kick from Scotsman Jordan Holsgrove, uh, which gave the Lisbon side all three points. Porto had their own chances. Most notably, Mediterranean had a penalty saved in the first half, and shortly after that, they had a chance cleared off the line. But they couldn't do enough to break down Estoril, and it was a, I think it's fair to say, a, a famous win in the in the dugout for uh, for Estoril. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, they'll be absolutely um, delighted with that result. It's considering everything considered as well. You know, their their start to the season. Um, uh, Vasco Silva coming in as well as the new manager. Uh, this is a a really good result for Estoril, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just stick on Astral for a little bit. I was, I was talking about the positive. I mean, Vasco Siabra, I think, is is very much for me now proven that he's he's a great manager to get in. You know, because he he hasn't tried to do too much. 
he's built on what Pacheco had done right. If you if you see what I mean, you know those, those keys players, Rafi Gaitan, Holsgrove. You know he, he hasn't he hasn't tried to stifle those those creative players. You know, but he, he hasn't. He also hasn't tried to do anything too drastic. You know, it's it's. it's and I, f- I feel like it was a similar thing at Maritimo when, when when he when he was there. You know, there was. It just feels like we see some managers come in and it just absolutely flops straight away, and that's that's quite happens quite a lot in the league. But I feel like with Siabra, he's there's something different to him, and he, he does he he is he does bring that new manager about, but a bit more. If you see what I mean, there's a there's a bit more to him. So I think that was a. Yeah, it was a great game from Estrell's point of view. I think they played out really well. They did, you know, the because defensively they had to be very solid. And uh, you mentioned the the penalty and, and, and the appearance off the line as well. Um, you know, there were there was a few opportunities for Porto, but they just couldn't get it in. And that, that's credit to Estrell as well because there was some really good defending from them. Yeah, I think when I when I watched this game, I, I thought I thought Estrell's performance was probably the the blueprint performance for any smaller team um, that wants to go to a bigger team and and get a result. Because let's be honest, they they rode their luck at times. You know, uh, like I said, the, the penalty saved, the, the goal line clearance. I think on the first half they were they were hanging on a bit in moments. I think that's fair to say. Second half I thought was very different though. I thought second half they played they played the perfect game plan. And look, it's not it's not complicated, is it? You know, Vasco Sierra is not some master tactician he's not reinventing the wheel second half was just was just a case of um uh keep it tight at the back try and limit porto's chances and then and then play on the break and well it's obviously easy to say that but it's another thing to execute and i think they did execute it um really well the goal came um it's never a bad time to score but it came at a great time and it seems like an obvious thing to say but the goal made a world of difference because when they do get that goal, you know, they, they do the hard work, they hold on, they keep the clean sheet for the first half and then they're rewarded with the goal and that just completely changes the game from them because it it changes the dynamic, it puts all the pressure back onto Porto, the pressure's off Estoril and they can play that game plan like I like I just said, sitting back, staying tight and and, and just playing on the counter. They have the luxury of, of, of not needing to, to press forward. They put all the onus on Porto to ask the questions and you know, Estoril had all the answers, and 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 the goal itself. You know, it's worth it's worth talking about the goal itself because it was it was an exceptional free kick from Jordan Holsgrove, left footed from the right hand side of the box into the top right hand corner against the best goalkeeper in Portugal, who didn't get anywhere near it. Couldn't have been a more perfect free kick. So you know, on the one hand, it was a piece of of, of individual brilliance. But on the other hand, it was also a, a, a result of of Estrell's great play because it the the free kick came about from a great attack, counter attacking opportunity that I just described. You know, Porto were, were, were attacking, Estrell soaked it up, went on a counter. Uh, they forced David Carmo into a, a last ditch tackle. Um, at the time, the ref gave a penalty. Then VAR pulls it back for the free kick, and we're all thinking, you know, Carmo's got away with it here. But then, of course, Jordan Hosgrove puts it in the top corner, and it, it, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it's easy to, to call it a sort of a bit of individual brilliance. But that goal doesn't come around by accident. You know, that opportunity, that free kick chance, came from from Estrell's game plan and the way the team worked together as a unit and the way the manager set them up. Yeah, there was some a few really good performances from individuals in Estrell as well. You know, Rafi Gaitan, you talked about there about the way they 
it had to be tight and then take their opportunities when they got it. He was that player who could get them yeah. on the pitch, um, relieve some of the pressure. He was excellent all game. Uh, just so we've talked about him quite a lot. He's had his, he's had his quite a weird journey in Portugal, I would say. Um, but it, I think it's, it's yeah, he's he's always shown real, real quality, like a really neat, tidy player. And I, I just hope he can have a more consistent season than we've seen him have in, in his previous uh, stints at other clubs in this league. Um, you mentioned Jordan Holzweg, of course, uh, once again, absolutely fantastic. I just, I just love this guy more and more. Uh, he's, he's not quite on that Ryan Gord level, but he's getting there because he's, I think he, I think he is so good. Um, it, I, I, I was texting when I was away because I found um, the, oh, is it the Football Observatory? I can't remember, sorry. But it's some, some, uh, some website where they actually compile statistics from every league in the world, not just the top five in Europe, which I usually find quite frustrating, but every league in the world. And of course, that doesn't just mean you're getting random players coming into these like um, leader, leaderboards in terms of stats. You're getting the actual best of the best. And in terms of distribution and passing statistics, Jordan Holsworth is in the top 100 in the world with the likes of Rodri um, and, uh, and other players. So uh, I think his, his statistics always stand out, but moments like this is when he really catches the limelight, isn't it? which is a real moment of brilliance. I, don't, I think Mateus Fernandes is a midfield partner as well, had an excellent game, only 19 years of old, age, um, 19 years old. And also uh, some of the centre-backs, you know, who we've we've criticised a lot throughout the beginning of the season, um, looking much better with Siabro. You know, Alvaro and, and Vital, you know, both uh, young young centre-backs as well, and, and, and we'll just need that little arm around their shoulder, perhaps, and, and, and them, them playing better. And finally, sorry, because I'm, I'm basically naming the whole team, but Rodrigo, Rodrigo Gomes uh, on loan from Braga, playing as a sort of right wing-back, not his natural position. He's having a real impact now, Astro. Uh, uh, I think we're, you know, it, it was a. I was really excited about this this move when he moved to Astro in the summer, thinking he'd be sort of a, a like for like Thiago Guevara replacement for Astro. But he's not. He's come in playing right wing back. But like, you know, he scored and assisted against uh, Vitoria. Scored for the Portuguese on the twenty ones as well uh, uh, against Belarus and Greece. And now he scored twice against. Um, Twice against trends in the cup as well, and and you know he's I think he was um, MVP in this Porto game. So he's an, another player for Estoril who's coming into his own now, and and it's it's things are going in the right direction. We thought they were going so far in the wrong direction in, in just in just a few weeks. I mean that's such an important point. Like everyone, I think needs to just take a second to remember where this Estoril team have come from because. Did they lose their first five games of the season, and and you know they looked they looked like they they were in free fall basically. So this is let's not underestimate that this was a, a huge result for Estoril and, and so important for them rebuilding their season under Siabra. I think last thing I'll say on Estoril, Barney, the only player you, you forgot to mention, the goalie um, Carne, who. who obviously saved a penalty and had a great game and he's been great all season so yeah things are really looking good for Estoril they're, they're, they're looking more like the team that um, we thought they might be obviously big negative reaction after the game from from Porto fans um, I was I was uh, surprised perhaps although maybe I shouldn't have been by what I saw is a really really negative response online from, from Porto fans after the game a lot of people thinking that the the season is over essentially. Um, I have to say, I'm not quite sure if I see it that way. I'm not sure what you think. Um, I think you know, in, in, 
my opening statement, I, I kind of set out how I saw this game. You know, a, a step backwards after after a series of positive results, and I think it's a shame because because Porto have been playing playing really well, and I think they have turned the corner. Um, I'm not even I'm not even taking the piss here, but they they had that they got their first win by more than one goal in the league. They beat Vizela two 0 They beat Antwerp four one. They played well. They got a good um, they got a good win in the cup. They got Evan Ilshan scoring goals. Um, they had players like uh, Francisco Consasal playing well. Eustachio um, has been playing well. Varela has um, been playing well. So you know things have been have been going well, and I thought. The first forty-five minutes of this game was as good as any forty-five minutes of football they've played this season. But obviously, they missed the penalty and they missed the golden chance. They could have been two 0 up, right? So it could have been a very different, very different game um, had things been different. Um, but as it as it as it was, they allowed Estrella to score, and then the game changed. And I think um, panic stations set in a little bit, not just for the players, Barney, but I, I'm also kind of. You know, put that on the manager as well. I thought I thought taking off Alan Varela was probably a mistake. I thought he was having a good game, and I thought the the substitutions didn't quite make sense. Um, the players didn't respond well to going behind. I think uh, it showed where 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 they've been in the season recently, and that they seem to panic at the idea of of losing a a game which they should be winning um, when they should have just trusted in their ability and. And trusted in the game plan, and 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 you know, maybe they could have gone in and taken two chances that they didn't take in the first half. But yeah, unfortunately, it was at, in the end of the day a, a, a step back after what recently has been quite a few positive baby steps forward. Yeah, there does seem to be a lot of um, negativity around the club at the moment, um, and it, even with um, Conscious Al and um, some of his comments after the game, we've we've had the. The most recent one being in the sort of Champions League press conference, uh, sort of saying something like, "I, I, I could have gone to a bigger, a bigger, bigger things." Um, so sort of just why he's saying that, like as if like you, you didn't pause a favor by staying. I, I, I don't know, but it, it, just a few of the other comments as well. You know, the, the uh, we could have scored four, five or six goals in this game. We need to be more hungry for goals. I don't remember any other. I chance. don't. I, I don't. No, I didn't. I don't think that's actually a crazy statement. I think they could have scored more goals in this game. Definitely. Oh no, I, I I do agree with him, but I think he's heaping a lot of pressure uh, and sort of that's that's of, for me that's an obvious criticism of the the strikers, right? And um, maybe directed at, at Taremi individually, I, I don't know, but it it the point I'm trying to make is the the, ne- the negativity around it all, and I, I think previously we would have perhaps seen a conscious cell sort of come out. Uh, I don't know, in, not in a positive way, but a bit more sort of a, a bit of a fighting spirit, if you see what I mean. And because um, the, the the biggest thing was, and I'll, I'll read it out in full because I thought this was the most interesting of his comments. Um, there are many things in the club that we have to improve in all departments. When we lose, there is someone to blame, which is the coach, and I take the responsibility. But internally, there are people who have to take on their responsibility for us to be a strong club. It, you know, you can read into that what you will, but the, the point is, it, it's. There's a lot of, it seems to be finger pointing. There just doesn't seem to be much happiness there. And I think that is bleeding into the team. I think that's bleeding into the performances at, this, uh, at Porto. Um, I think particularly you can look at the striking performances. That, you know, Evan fair enough, he scores a hat-trick in the Champions League. He's still got to be doing better in the league. And, and, and Taremi just seems to be a shadow of the player he was last season. Um, 
and yeah, it, it, I I just I just don't like the way this is going for Porto. I think to sort of go back to what you were saying, Albert, in terms of uh, you have seen you know baby sets have improvement in recent games, and I think that's right. You can look at the XG of this game as well, and the, the Porto had the highest XG of their of the season. There's, there's an XG of two point eight in this game, which is you know we've talked about how they've been struggling for goals and. Um, uh, have only been a team by more than one goal recently. You know, the, the, those stats are going in the right direction. So there is something building here. There, there are pieces of the jigsaw that Contrasau is working out. I think particularly the the back four of uh, bringing in the Mexican Alvarez on loan from Ajax for his first game and putting João Maria left back. That sort of improved the. I think that did improve them. Um, uh, but but you know, ultimately, yeah, it, it is. It does seem to be goals and. Um, what well, I saw a statistic and it did make me sort of laugh a little bit. I think Porto's top goal scorer of the season is Marcano, the defender who's been out since the fifth week, <laughs> and there's been five more games since he's been out. Like it's just like, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much you want to t- go into the, the striking of because I know we've, we've talk, talked on this subject before, and I'm, and I, I've talked a lot about Taremi, but it's 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 really. Not good, and I and particularly Taremi, it just feels so sad that this. It just seems like such a big decline, but Conchita seems to be sticking with him, and, I, and maybe that's not the right thing to do. Well, I thought Evan Ilsham might inject a bit of uh, positivity into that front line, but it didn't. It didn't quite happen in the league. Well, I don't. I don't think we need to go over Porto's uh, problems up front. I think you know. The most important thing now is how they respond to this, whether they get back on track or whether they follow it up with a uh, uh, another difficult, another poor result. So that remains to be seen. But um, as it went, it was a uh, tra- it was a dramatic and unexpected defeat for Porto at home in the dugout against Estoril. Um, let's move on to another uh, dramatic game, Barney, and it was a uh, drama in uh, the Lisbon derby. Not you know, not that one, but uh, Sporting played Estrella um, in a game that Sporting would have wanted to put to bed without too many problems, but it turned into a much harder game than they would have anticipated. Uh, they initially went a goal ahead, lovely strike from Daniel Braganza, but Estrella, to their credit, fought back to lead 2-1 before two sublime goals in quick succession, both with heavy involvement from Marcus Edwards saw. Sporting restore their lead and earn themselves a 3-2 win. Sporting have won a lot of games this season and they've won, in my opinion, Barney, in a lot of different ways. And I thought this game really showed a team with with a strong mentality. And, and I will contrast this with Porto. This is a team that went behind, but they had the courage of their convictions. They believed in their, in their way of playing. They believed in each other. They believed in the quality that the team had and, and they were rewarded with uh, two goals from from two very good chances. So for me, I think this was, um, although not the win they would have wanted before the game, I think it's still a very positive win and and, and, and shows a team in a, in a very good place. Yeah, I think um, looking specifically at how Amarin replied and, and the team um, replied to going 2-1 down, I think that was a, it feels like a big moment for Amarin. Uh, I think for ages, we've sometimes criticised his in-game management, his um, ability to change things. Um, but, you know, in, in those substitutions, bringing on Trincao um, in National St. Juice has started mixing up the formation a little bit. Um, bringing on Paulinho as well, of course, that just really did did help things. Um, 
but obviously the biggest help was Marcus Edwards, right? <laughs> I, 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 maybe my memory's not as, as good as yours, Albert, but I cannot remember him grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck like this before. This was, this was, um, this was special. I mean, that goal is, uh, I, I, it was, I did, I it took my breath away. It was just, it was, it's, it's, you know, it's messy. Like it, it, the way he took those players on, the way he, he manipulated them, got them to go where he wanted them to go, and he could go the other way. Um, it's just, it that felt like the, the the peak for me in terms of what I've seen from Marcus Edwards. It was it was phenomenal, and I just I was I was so happy for him to to have that impact because yeah, you you're right. We've seen Sporting win in lots of different ways this season, um, and and this is the sort of win the the way this game panned out. If this was it was six months time, say this this would be such a key part of their season right so I, I i hope you don't forget it because and 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 i'm talking in the sense of marcus edwards once again because i just want i feel this impact he made and and, and this result is is is, is huge it, it could be really important at, at the end of the season and he, he just has a lot of credit for what he did in this game yeah 100 percent. and i'm sure everyone listening has, has seen the goal already if you haven't definitely go and check out the highlights of this game because um, it's a wonderful goal, and I think you really need to see it to understand why why we're spending this much time talking about it. I, it's funny, Ronnie, because I wrote this down, and I thought, I think I've said this before recently, but I think that was Marcus Edwards' best performance in a sporting shirt. I think definitely the second 45 minutes um, from Marcus Edwards were were, were world-class. Um, one of the few times that Amarim left him on for, for the full 90, and, and he really repaid him. Um, I think the goal is is definitely a candidate for goal of the season. Probably one of the best goals he's ever scored. Um, but not it wasn't just the goal, was it, Barney? Because it was it was the delivery for Paulinho's goal um, just a few minutes later, which which proved to be the match winner. Pinpoint accuracy, really dangerous ball into a dangerous area, and Paulinho had literally the easiest header he'll score all season to uh, to win it for Sporting. And you know it's. Exactly as you described, it's it's Marcus Edwards grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, he took the responsibility on his shoulders to to win the game in difficult circumstances, um, and it was it was a real joy to to see him put in that type of performance. You know, the type of performance that we really believe he's capable of. Um, I don't. He wasn't the only positive sporting knife for um, a player that I think is actually quite interesting to single out in a game like this is Victor Jokeres because everyone kind of thinks that he's he's on the pitch to, to score. Obviously, he didn't score in this game, but was still a really influential player, um, particularly in the first half, actually, even though, you know, Sporting won it in the second half. He makes, he makes his work rate is phenomenal with his runs. It's absolutely unreal. He, 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 the runs he makes are often completely futile but he makes them to make space for his, his teammates and pull apart the defense and, and and he did so well he got an assist for Daniel Braganza's goal and you know Daniel Braganza any other any other game this week that would have been probably the goal of the goal of the game but he got overshadowed by by Mark Sebbins in the second half um so really good performances I've all over the pitch Daniel Braganza great to see him make an important uh contribution and and, and Vizioquez nice to see him contributing in ways other than and goal scoring we know that he has got that side to his game. Obviously, Sporting stole the headlines. But I think Australia will probably, I don't know, feel a little bit unlucky. I don't know unlucky is the word, but they'll probably be looking at this game thinking they did an awful lot right. And 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 they they think they didn't get anything out for their efforts, which is um a bit of a shame for them. Great attacking move to earn them a penalty. You know, obviously it's a handball, but you've got to 
create a chance in order to get a penalty. Um, dispatched very well. Second goal from Kikas, again, overshadowed by Marcus Edwards, but the guy scored a wonderful goal. Does really well. Lovely touch to bring the ball down from midair. And it's a great finish past the keeper. And I just think, you know, if they were playing sporting at perhaps a different time in the season or perhaps another season, maybe they would have got something out of the game. And, and I think they will be, you know, after that game, they probably would have been sort of scratching their heads thinking, how have we not got anything out of that game? Well, I think it's um, it's not the first time we've seen them do very well against one of the big teams. Um, you know, they, they've... They, was it was against Porto where they they really took it to, took it to the end. Um, they 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 organised very well. I, I do like the defence, um, uh, uh, particularly Casper uh, uh, and uh, Miguel Lopez. I think they're very good um, defenders. Uh, and they're just uh, yeah they. <laughs> I I I think they're bringing a bit of life to this league. I I I, I like the games they're involved in, um, and, and they're 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 a really interesting team. To watch, obviously, love the kits as well. I, I don't think we touched on this particular kit they played in this game uh, in our our kit, kit rankings YouTube video, which I'm not sure. Does, uh, have we released that? <laughs> it's available on YouTube. <laughs> but that, that kit would have been right up there. No, I, I think, um, yeah, I, maybe they'll be disappointed that they they couldn't hold up for at least a point. Um, but you, you you can't you can't criticize them really for anything in, the, in what they've been doing this season. I think they're already really good team um, and uh, I, I know it was a penalty but I'm really uh, really glad Leo Jabba is starting to show what he's he's got to offer uh, you know he was a, a quite a slow start to the season um, but I, I had real high hopes for him and he's starting to really show his quality in that team um, so yeah I, I yeah I, they, they, they can be proud at, at and I, I know proud is one of those things we say to teams and then suddenly they're in the relegation zone because they, they haven't actually won a game but I think they've got they've They'll, they'll pick up points throughout the season and then, yeah, they'll put up a good fight, I think. Yeah, that's the one positive that they can take. If they, if they play like that all season, they will be absolutely fine in this league. Um, quickly then, Barney, before we, we talk about another crazy game, let's just do Benfica, the last of the big three. Um, really, really important win for them this weekend. 2-0 away uh, in Shavs, a very snowy Shavs by the looks of things. Um, uh, vital for them to get three points on the board after what has been quite a turbulent time. Um, a lot of fan upset at recent results. You know, questions about the manager, about the players, etc. Um, but they won two 0 Like I said, away at, at Shavs. Um, they were made to wait for their goals though. This wasn't you know, wasn't a walk in the park. Um, two goals in the last thirty minutes gave them the win. Shavs did quite well first half and you know were decent in the second half. Although I didn't think troubled Benfica too much. Um, it was a controversial penalty, shall we say, for uh, <laughs> for Benfica's uh, second. So, do you want to do you want to touch on that at all? Oh no, I just thought it was madness. I just cannot cannot believe that that's that's sort of, that's being given. Um, Jean Neves is, is harassing um, is Lang Bruno Langer, um, uh, who's sort of in control with the ball in the box and Janez is sort of coming from behind to sort of put pressure on Bruno Langer's arm is in sort of a normal motion I'd say he accidentally hits Janez in the face and bang. he barely he barely even touches him it's yeah it's a really bizarre decision I just don't understand how uh, 
I know you probably have, well, you have to, you, it's usually those, that sort of position where you're getting hit from a straight, straight arm being behind the player, but it just doesn't feel like it's, you know, the fact that they weren't in control of the ball and, and yet they're coming away with a penalty just, just really doesn't sit where it's a strange rule. And I think, yeah, them people are lucky. I mean, look, I think it's, we've, we've just been talking about sort of Porto struggles and, and sort of them in terms of them getting points while not performing well, which they're, they're struggling to do this season. Benfica seems to not have that problem by and maybe people are getting a bit over negative about them because they are still getting results albeit not in the Champions League but they are still getting results I think it's it's I don't know I, I, I was writing I just as I was writing notes I wrote down questions about trying to work out what is different what's gone so what's changed so much from last season is it Gonzalo Ramos is it Grimaldo is it the importance of Enzo and now Koshu is out injured as well the more I think about it, the more I'm inclined to think about Grimaldo and, and those fullback positions, you know, and, and, and also what Grimaldo offered in terms of the way they built up and creativity and, and balls into the box. And obviously with Gonzalo Ramos there as well, he was able to get on the end of some of those. It just feels like, you know, Eurosex come and it is not him. He, he, you know, the decent amount of money, 14 million euros, was it? He just hasn't had a good start. I think he's much more of an attacking player rather than a sort of, we've seen it Roger Smith favours a player who has that tactical intelligence that ability to you know positioning wise that's what that's why Alzheimer's is playing at left back because Roger Smith trusts him to do the job correctly I think the last time Jurisic got came out he or played I think he lost the ball like eight or eight or nine times you know that, that that's not going to cut it for Roger Smith so there's the fullback positions really seem to be letting them down, and that's why we sort of saw this. Was it how did you describe that? Was it like a three-four-three? Um, it was quite a shift in formation from the usual ben, uh, Benfica we've seen recently. You know, Morato came in at the back, so it, it, uh, Guedes started up front as well. It just felt like there's, you know, Schmidt was really trying to change things and, and get things going the right right way, and it just didn't really feel like those were the right decisions. Particularly Guedes, who just didn't really take his opportunity up front and once again highlights the striking problems which I've talked about before um, sorry I feel like I've, I've spoken a lot there but I just think there's a you can look at it two ways you can look at it they're, they're performing badly and still getting results in the league which is ultimately very important for if you want to challenge for the title but also it does feel like bizarrely they're in a, a worse situation than they were last year despite having sort of so much money spent and so many players bought in no listen mate if you're going to try and uh tackle all of uh, all of Benfica's problems this season it's going to take uh, it's going to take a long time um look I think for me with Benfica I mean we spoke about them so much but at the moment the one thing I'll say is if if you're not going to play well just get the result um and I think it's important for for them to get the win no matter how ugly it was um Shavs Barney then just quickly I mean Two losses on the bounce now. Suggestions that the Moreno new manager bounce is uh, is over. I don't quite buy that. I mean, they were never going to beat Benfica. They, you know, the five 0 against Vitoria was perhaps um, an anomaly. Um, they had decent moments. They got good players, um, and I I predict that we will continue to see the improvement under Moreno. But I could be wrong. But I think you know this game for them was never going to be, especially when the refs given penalties like that. You know, what chance have they got? Yeah, I mean, they maybe it was wrong to go so 
negative. I don't think Shabs perhaps have the players to sort of shut up shop, and maybe they should have risked it a bit more going ahead, going forward themselves. Um, that's probably where they're, their, their their strengths. Um, but yeah, it's it's, <clears throat> it's not going to be plain sailing for Moreno. I think he's obviously in a much more difficult situation than when he was at Victoria. In, in a sort of much the quality of players he has at his disposal aren't as good as he, what he had at Victoria. So it might be a bit more of a, a struggle than he had at Victoria. But I, I'm still I'm still rooting for him to, to to improve some of those players and and get them playing better. Absolutely. Um, one more game, Nani. And this one, for me, was uh, one of the more bizarre games of the weekend, although certainly one of the most entertaining. Um, Braga 6, Portman ends 1. Um, sounds like a dominant display, but at half-time, Braga were 1-0 down. By the end of the second half, they'd scored six goals, including a late Simon Banza hat-trick. It must have been some team talk from Arthur George at half-time. Braga have now scored Barney 29 goals in the league. Um, an average of literally just under three goals per game. That's 2.9 goals per game. Um, seven more goals scored than any other team. Sporting at the top of the table scored 22. Um, and yet somehow, finally, they're eight points off the league leaders. They've been far too inconsistent this season. And I think in some ways for me, this game, the two halves of this game showed us the two sides of Braga at the moment. That first half where they allow Portimonens to score and, and, and don't have any answers. And the second half where they come out and just think, yeah, all right, fine, stuff this. Six goals, hatchet for Banza, and um, yeah, they get all three points at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I have to admit, when I, I, I didn't watch this game, I went to bed, and when I woke up, my eyes were a bit blurry, and when I, I, I read the six as a zero, so for about 10 seconds, I thought Portsmouth had beaten them 1 0, and and I, I wasn't that surprised, you know, that that's sort of like you alluded to there, that that's the problem we've got this season, they do seem to be able to concede weird goals and, and uh, very insecure. It's but you know, we, why are we talking about their poor defensive plays when they've just got six goals there? <laughs> um, it was it, it all clicked, isn't it? And and perhaps you know maybe Arthur George has, has found his midfield and attack attacking players. You know, these the, this combination. Um, it's taken a while, but bands you know despite. Bands are not starting the season. He's now very much that first team striker, and, and, and you mentioned the number of goals Braga scored. I mean, his his individual record is what is it? Ten goals in ten games. But the, if you look at the minutes per goals ratio, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, he, you know, he he he's only now becoming the, the main starter, so that's that, that's working wonders. Um, Jalo as well, uh, well, another player who's who's worked his way into the starting eleven and is now a real key player, and and, and Zanazar. Finally, you know, just to complete that that front five of Mizrati, Zalazar, Horta, Bruma, Jalo, and Banza, that feels good. That feels solid. That feels like a a really, really, you know, I, I, how many of those players would walk into any of the big three teams? You know, the, those are those are real quality players who are having a great season. You just look behind them, though, and that, that that's where the issues are. So, um, yeah, it it it. it it's good. It's exciting. It's fun to watch. You know, it's you're not going to get many boring <laughs> games watching Braga this season. Um, they they'll obviously just be a bit disappointed that they're not as close as to the top as they could could have been, and and and, and that's the difference, isn't it? They, they this could be a complete different season if they were say five points closer, and and and, and you know with these players suddenly hitting top form, you know what a, what an exciting uh, rest of the season we had ahead of us. But I think there's just too many frailties for them to be. Real title contenders, although it is very early. 
I'm just starting to wonder, Barney, are we are we giving Arthur George too much stick? You know, if he if if this was Marcelo Bielsa, there would be there would be a a, a wealth of Twitter nerds just going on about you know how amazing is and how amazing his style of football is. So maybe that's it. Maybe Arthur George is the uh, Portuguese Bielsa. Um, but no, at the moment, I think they are just a little bit too inconsistent to to be uh, taken too seriously. But like you said, man, the attacking talent is is it's a joke. It's fantastic, and and you know the second half display was absolutely phenomenal, and 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 they ripped apart a team that that they they that they should have, um, and they did it. They did it really well. So I, I will give them I will give them all credit for that. Um, all right, I think let's let's do let's probably do one last game, Barney. Um, let's talk about two two teams that we haven't discussed an awful lot so far this season. Talk about Family Cow versus Gil Vicente. Both teams who've shown a bit of promise this season, but also teams with certain weaknesses um, and a fairly evenly matched game on paper, but a game which Family Cow came out firmly on top. They were three 0 ahead. Um, before a late consolation for Gilvercent saw the game in 3-1. Lots and lots of positives for Family Cow, particularly, I thought, on loan winger Chiquinho, on loan from Wolves. Um, watchers of Portuguese football will remember him from his time at, at Estoril. He had a fantastic game. Um, but for me, Barney, the, the player that we've got to shout out, Gustavo Saar, for his contribution in this game. Wonderful, wonderful solo goal to open the scoring. Good performance all around. He's 18 years old. He's played for Family Cow since he was 13. I just love stories like this. You know, a, a youth academy project at Family Cow, um, and and he's making an impact in the first team. It's it's lovely to see. Yeah, there's always been um, so much hype about this guy. I think he's been a regular part of the Portuguese youth teams, um, um, and as you said, been with Family Cow for such a long time. I I think it's interesting that. Because even at the start of the year, I think he had a good pre-season, didn't he? And uh, I just find it interesting that the matter, the, the Finnish attacking midfielder who they assigned, and there's also a similar age pack, maybe a year older, got so many opportunities in the starting level at the beginning of the season. And I, I, I've, I've commented on his performance a few times, just noticing that I feel like he isn't quite ready yet. And then to see Gustavo Saar, I think every time he's started, has he got a goal? Or he's, he's certainly contributed or, or looked ex- excellent. So it was a bit of a not a mystery, but a bit a bit weird to to not see him get as many minutes as he has this season, and uh, and obviously this performance is going to help that he was he was absolutely brilliant. And you mentioned Shakini as well, but who um, had a great game. I was thinking a lot about him and, and this family Cal signing because so often we see, and I think this is family Cal's model, similar to sort of you can look at it similar to Brighton's really, where they 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 will buy a lot of players. And 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 with the boat, with the thing is like if one or two come off, that's great, and, and we haven't really spent that much money because we bought these players young or from, from unproven leagues, etc. But Chiquinho is different, isn't he? And and in the sense that we we know his quality. He had that big move to the Premier League. Obviously, it didn't quite work out. We haven't, but he got he used off that quality that he's earned that move, and now he's back, and and that that's a. That's a level above their usual caliber of players coming in, right? And and, and that gives them that little extra edge. Um, and so yeah, they're up in six. They've had a great start to the season. I think we really need to start thinking about them a bit more seriously uh, in terms of what they might be able to do this season. Because you know, as I alluded to with the Jaquinho sign, that I feel like they have gone up that level this this year. 
And I think a lot of the players who they've signed have walked straight into that starting eleven. You know, we're not sort of seeing them eased in. You know, I'm looking at Topic, who had a good game in the midfield. Um, the Hass, who I know didn't start this game, but has been good in defence. There, there's been, you know, there, there, there seems to be more of a focus and more of a, on the first team and actually getting results this year from Family Cow, and, and and so far it's working for them. I mean, Family Cow. I mean, we've had it so many seasons, right? Um, they've just always been the the eternally promising team who have the potential to achieve more. Um, but I think they're really starting to assemble a team that's got so much talent. I mean. You know, on the one end of the pitch, the attacking talent I think is is um, is really exciting. You know, they started with Henrique Araujo up front. Shaquinho played really well. Gustavo Sarr played well. Um, I liked Puma as well, the wing, winger. He played really well. Um, you know, so they've got a good, a good, a good attacking team. But then, even at the back, Barney, you know, or in midfield, Zaidu Yusuf, great midfielder who's played well for last season as well. They got Nathan at the back. Otavio looks really good. They've got Francisco Mora from Braga. He looks good. Goalie, Luis Jr., one of the best goalies outside the top four in the league. So I agree with you. I think, you know, that we always say they're a team with, with promise. They have got great resources. Um, and I think this season, perhaps there's a there's just a hint that things are starting to click and, and things are coming together. Quickly on, on Gilles Vicente Barney, something you said to me last night, um, they have a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation going on between their home form and away form. It was it was another away loss. Um, at the moment, they're pretty much nailed on to win at home and nailed on to lose away. And it, it's a bizarre situation, but um, at least they're not losing home and away. No. <laughs> Um, well, I, I think, yeah, I, they really need to sort it out and fast because it does seem to become, a, like, a real issue. Um, I think it was good that Domingo's got a goal. I, 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 I know, I, sorry, I do bang on about it every time, but I really rate him. Uh, great thing. But um, up, up top as well, Baturina, the, I think he's a Croatian striker. He, when he arrived in the summer, I assumed he would be the nailed-on starter, but it's taken him a little while to cement himself in that spot. And he... I think if they can settle on him now, that would be good for the team in terms of building those relationships with the other players behind him, like Fujimoto and Maria. Um, yeah, because uh, otherwise, yeah, they, they're an interesting team as well this season, because I, I think they've outscored Porto. You know, They are scoring a lot of goals. They're playing really good attacking football. They're, they're creating a lot of chances. So, um, yeah, if they can start making sure they get a few more goals on the road as well, and then... then uh, they're, they're another fun team to watch this season. Yeah, I think Gil Vicente team, you know, I said they were evenly matched on paper in this game, but I think, if, you're, if we're being fair, Gil Vicente are a team a little bit earlier, at an earlier stage of their of their project than, than Family Cow at the moment. So, good manager in, in Vita Campelos and some good players. So, maybe that's a team that we'll see improve as the season goes on and, and depending on what the squad looks like next season, they'll be in a better place for, for a more significant challenge perhaps. Quick question, Albert. Which player in this match played at the last World Cup? Ooh, I like it. I'm going to quickly look at the lineups. Is that cheating? No, Who go for it. Last... Who played at the last World Cup? Did Fujimoto play for Japan? No, it was um, Rowan Wilson for Gilbert Centre midfield. He played for Costa Rica. I'm ah. not sure if he got on. No, I'm thinking about it. But it was, uh, that was one of the things when I saw they signed him. I think he was definitely in the squad for Costa Rica. So, uh, 
there you go. And he's and, and he's an interesting one because he he hasn't. I think he was there last season as well, but I think he's he's only just starting to work his way into the team, and he's still of quite young age as well, so he could be a little player to keep him on. All right, well, that's the last of the games that we're going to touch on for this week. Just a quick roundup of the rest of the results. Vizela got another important win. Vizela got an important win away at Casapia, 1-0. Um, one of the games we picked uh, on our Portugal.net preview article is a, is a game to keep out, an eye on. Morarens hosted uh, Vitoria. Um, really interesting game. Morarens actually came out 1-0 from that game, and I think Morarens is starting to look like a really... Uh, interesting team and on the same day. Rio, I've got a 2-0 win over Boavista. I mean, has the Boavista bubble well and truly burst? And then last night, Monday evening, um, Ferenz beat Aruka 2-0. Aruka in a really, really uh, bad place at the moment. Um, Barney, I just want to do something that we don't often do quickly, but as 10 games of the season have gone, I think now is a good time to just quickly have a look at the table uh, as it's starting to shape up quite nicely. Um, just trying to do a quick roundup for you. Obviously, top of the table, Sporting, with 28 points. Uh, three points ahead of Benfica, six points ahead of Porto, and eight points ahead of Braga in fourth. Vitoria, only one point uh, behind Braga. Interesting, if, if Vitoria had got that win against Morens Barney, as was very possible for them to do, they would have gone ahead of Porto on goal difference and they would have been in third place. So that shows you what a good season Victoria having. Sixth place, Barney. Morarens. Uh, Boavista in seventh. Family Cow in eighth. Ferenz in ninth. Very good position for a newly promoted team. Just behind them, Estrella in tenth. Also very good position for a newly promoted team. Then we have Porto Menendez in eleventh. Gilverson in twelfth. Casapir in thirteenth. Vizela in fourteenth. Rio in fifteenth. And then the bottom three at the moment. Estoril, Shavs, and Aruka are rock bottom. Um, there's a few obvious ones, Barney. I'll just ask you to pick out anyone that you think kind of stands out in the table at the moment for for their league position. Well, I, I was actually, in a more general sense, I was gonna, if you split that down the middle, uh, you know, take the top nine teams, the top and the bottom nine teams. I, I, I perhaps I can see a few percent climbing their way out, but I would say. 10 downwards, I could, all of those teams, you know, it, it does, it's not like last season where there was clear people at the bottom. I think, you know, the, what's the points difference? Is it five points between Australia and 10th and Aruka in 18th? I could see all, all, all those teams sort of staying around that area and, and, and being close to trouble. And and and, and perhaps like likes of Famicalbo, uh, Morens getting a bit closer to Vittoria and, and possibly even Braga. Um, I don't know what you think, but I, I feel like it, this year just feels that bit closer, particularly that bottom half. Mm, no, I think that's a fair point. And I think the thing that's going to make it interesting is that, you know, 16th place Estoril, 17th place Chavez, both had awful starts to the season. Um, but both changed their manager, both looking a lot better. And I think what will make the season interesting is that those two teams will improve um, and catch up with the rest of the bunch. I mean, if there's a, a Ruka at the moment are the team in real danger of being cut adrift. They need to arrest their run of form quickly because there's no other team in the league on, on such poor form as them. Um, last season, you know, I think every season there's usually two. You know, last season at this point it was um, Maritimo and Passos. Both ended up being relegated. But Aruka at the moment are in danger of, of kind of being cut adrift from the rest of the pack. Um putting on the spot Barney but just a just an interesting question of if there's any team sort of 
from that nine to to sixteen or seventeen or you know nine down to the bottom that you think is best place to make a late charge in this sort of the the next two thirds of the season? Who do you think's who do you think that could be? Um, I mentioned Gil Vicente already, but I, I I've quite in, like friends as well. But I I, I think um, yeah, I, I, we obviously watched that game against the roof last night. Uh, they had the two penalties, but they were still. I didn't think Eric Greve really troubled them, did they? They they they've um, they've had some good results, some good performances as well. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd maybe look at them. Uh, Casapia, another one I I I've got high hopes for, uh, but they just seem to be a. Uh, what is it? They've they've conceded nine goals, but they've only scored eight goals. So they've got a really good defense. This best, well, only Benfica and uh, Portugal better defense than. But uh, yeah, they need to be scoring more. But if they can, then then that's a strong position to be in as having such a strong defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, there's there's interesting things happening at the top of the table, like Porto being six off the title, Braga being eight points off the title. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, Unless anyone can catch up with Sporting, I think those those that two to four space will tighten up a little bit. But I think the you know the interesting teams to keep an eye on as the season goes on. I, I've said it before. I, I think it's going to be more ends because um, I said it in a few weeks ago on an earlier podcast. You know when they were playing what I described as quite admirable football, but achieving very little. I kind of described them as as the Portuguese Burnley, a newly promoted team who'd got a young squad and a young manager. And they were quite nobly sticking to their their ethos. They reminded me a bit of Vizela when they came up under Pacheco, who you know were sticking to their ethos, but ultimately I thought wouldn't get very much for it. But they've transformed those positive performances into results recently, and they're sixth. They've got seventeen points. They're just one win away from from Braga in fourth. So I think they're a really interesting team to keep an eye on this season. If we're looking at almost in a negative way, I think Boavista are the team that could that could drop. I think they're in poor form, and and I think other teams are going to catch them up. Um, their, their squad has been dec- their squad's been decimated, but I think they they've been playing Salvador Agra at right back, and then is it thirty six year old Ferreira at left back with you know that, that one or two players gone in there. They're a completely different team. Yeah, yeah. I, so 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 they're in trouble. But you know, the team Barney. I'm, I mean, is it time for a bold shout? We're not even doing predictions, but I think Estoril are the team. I think. I and think they this crime, uh, climb. I don't know how far they'll get, but if Estoril finish in the top half of the table, don't be surprised. That's that's as far as I'll go. That's go on, say I'll it, go. say it confidently. Vasco <laughs> <laughs> Siabra in back in Europe. No, no, no. Let's uh, let's not be silly. <laughs> All right, well, I think that brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Longball Football Podcast. Um, as the listeners will know, we like to end every podcast with a recommendation for a game that you should watch uh, the weekend coming up. Barney, I'll come to you in just a second. I'm looking at these fixtures, and I think for me, based on what I've just said, um, there's only one game that I can really recommend. And, and if anyone's new to the show, obviously... The big three are all playing. You can watch those games. We try to recommend games, like more alternative games that you can watch to catch some some interesting football. Do you know what I'm going to go for, Barney? What? Friday night? No. Actually, no. I've gone for Saturday. 6 o'clock? 6 p.m. Yes. Yeah. Estrella versus Morrowinds. I mean, you know, two teams that uh, played really well this week that we talked about uh, on the show. 
I think that's going to be a good game, mate. Two newly promoted teams, uh, decent crop of players, exciting young managers on the up in good form. I just feel like that's going to be that's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting game. So, yeah, if you're looking for something a little bit different to watch, that would be my recommendation. I mean, a, a lot of interesting games. Uh, you know, uh, there's obviously the, the obvious one: Sunday night Benfica Sporting, which is obviously a huge game. Um, that, that, that keep, keep your eyes on that one, of course, in terms of the title race. But I mean, everything for me. I work Friday. Uh, Astral Casapi, I think, will be a really interesting matchup. Portman and Shavs at three thirty on the Saturday as well. It could be a, uh, yeah, I, I've, there's nice little games dotted everywhere. So if you can catch any football this weekend, make sure you do. So basically, what you're saying, Barney, is cancel your plans and, and stay in a weekend. <laughs> do that. Watching the Premier League. That sounds dream. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of uh, another episode. Uh, before we go, just a quick reminder that if you enjoyed the show. Leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a star rating on Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Um, and listen, if you enjoy listening and you know someone that you think might enjoy it, send it to your mates. Let them know. Uh, and we can try and get a few more listeners. Um, of course, if you're really enjoying the show uh, and you want to do us uh, a real, real helping hand, we have our Patreon page where you can become a long ball football socio for just one pound a month. Um it's good fun on there. We have uh, a, a great, um, we have a predictions league where everyone gets involved and predicts the results for the weekend. And we have a league table based on points. And um, yeah, the winner at the end of the season is going to win, win a prize, as yet to be confirmed, but possibly a uh, Premier League uh, football shirt. So always worth getting involved in that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's just a way to support a DIY podcast for quite a small price. It helps us keep going and cover the uh, the small overheads that we have. So uh, yeah, check that out. And if that's your kind of thing, definitely, definitely get involved. I think that just needs to say thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next week. See you next week.